Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. Well, good morning. How is everyone? So when I was a boy, I dreamed being an astronaut when I grew up. That was uh, little boy Luke's dream. Um, and uh, I, I just was obsessed with space. I could imagine, you know, going up in the space shuttle and going on spacewalks and just having only the face shield between you and the stars. And it just sounds so cool. I check out books from the library um, on, on space and learn about astronomy. And so uh, my parents did something really sweet. Uh, when I was a kid, there was this blockbuster hit movie coming out um, that was like a, a, a historical drama based off real events with NASA. And so they took all of us to see Apollo 13. Yes, you got it. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you don't know this, but it's, uh, you know, all the things that went wrong with the Apollo program, how they almost died, right? Congratulations. Um, no, even with that, I still, I still wanted to um, explore and was interested in space for a while as a kid. Uh, eventually that dream faded. Um, but what about you? What did you dream of doing when you were growing up? I know this can be a little uncomfortable, but I want to invite you just to turn the person next to you and for a minute uh, share the answer to the question, what did you dream of being when you grew up as a child? Awesome. Hey, I heard people talking. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing with the people next to you. Uh, I love to hear about kids' dreams, what they plan on doing, right? Like Ada right now wants to be a rock star. That may or may not continue. Very common. Um, she's a man, a uh, woman after her dad's heart. Uh, how do you ever say that? Um, but the question I want to explore is, what do you do with those dreams as you grow older? Um, how do you figure out what to do with your life? How do you go from dream to reality? And how much should those dreams play into uh, what you end up doing or what you should seek to do? Uh, because there's a lot of stake out in this question. You have, you have one life. What should you spend your time doing? What's worth it? What's worth that investment of time? And so today I want to talk about this concept of calling and how do you discern God's calling on your life? Uh, this is an important topic for another reason, and that's because uh, growing up in church, I often hear, I want to say the, these miraculous, flashy stories. And what I mean is, I know quite a few people who, uh, either when they were kids or at some point in their journey, God just totally changed their life direction. They were going one way, they planned on doing one thing. Um, like Bill Lighty preached last Sunday, it was a great message, but that was his story. I was planning on doing this thing, I was this kind of major in college, and then God said, no, you're going to be a pastor. Some people have that story. I don't have that story. God's never radically redirected my life. And a lot of folks I know are similar. They've never had this moment where God said, no, go this way. So what do you do if you don't have that radical redirection voice? How do you discern and go about figuring out what you should spend your time and energy and life doing? Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And if you were up last night like I was, because it was blowing, 
Uh, you know, the wind is unpredictable. It can do different things at different times. And I, I take that to mean the Holy Spirit actually loves to work in different ways with different people, according to their different personalities. And he directs us in different ways. And so I just don't want anyone to have a sense of the only way God will speak to you is kind of like this miraculous voice from heaven. That's what you just, you just need to wait until you get that. I think actually the Holy Spirit speaks to us in a variety of ways and through our life circumstances. So again, how do you figure this out? Oswald Chambers wrote, um, let God be as original with other people as he was with you. And I love that idea of being cautious about making our own story or how God worked in our life kind of the standard of, oh, it has to work like this. And so what I want to do this uh, morning is I want to put together some pieces. I want to look at the biblical concept of calling and how to discern that through the lens of how God called Timothy to be a pastor in Ephesus. What was his story and how did he get there? I chose Timothy for a number of reasons. Um, Number one, because I relate to him. He was a young pastor serving in a church. Um, Also, there's enough biographical information in the Bible through the book of Acts and Paul's letters to Timothy in 1 and 2 Timothy that we have some things that we can put together. But also because it's not this flashy story. It's actually very normal. And so it's one that at least I feel like I can relate to. And so we're going to pull some principles out of the story. Um, I'm going to jump off of this and use it to actually share some of my story. So for those of you who don't know me as well, um, you can hear a little more of that. But at the end of the day, I also want this to be helpful and applicable to you. If you're finding yourself right now in a time of transition where you can consider shifting what you do, I want to give you some questions you should ask and consider as you are exploring what God might be calling you to do next. So uh, also the plan is to do all of this relatively quickly so we have time for Q&A at the end of the service. So let's see if I can actually accomplish that or not. Probably not, but we'll try anyway. Uh, We're gonna have four overlapping circles. That's what we're building towards. Let me give you the first one right now. It's the affirmation of what your community says about you. So if you have your Bible, Open up to Acts chapter 16, and let's look at the beginning of Timothy's story. When we get to him at the end, he's going to be serving as a pastor in Ephesus, but we're going to kind of trace his story. How did he get from average Joe Christian to there? So Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Paul went on to Derbe and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, I want to see you to see a couple of things. Uh, this is the calling of Timothy. This is the first time he gets mentioned in Scripture. This is how he enters the scene. And what I want you to see is it's not this miraculous light from heaven. Right? God doesn't say, Timothy, go with Paul. Right? That doesn't happen. What happens? Timothy is a respected member of his Christian community, of his church. So Paul comes along, and the believers there say, hey, Timothy's a pretty cool guy, Paul. And Paul says, cool, I'm looking for cool people (laughs) to bring with me these missionary journeys I'm going on. Timothy, do you want to come? 
Now, the point is this, uh, for this first circle, what does the community of faith affirm about you? Why does Paul consider Timothy? It was in verse one, or verse two, sorry. Uh, The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. That's it. The community of faith said, hey, Paul, consider this person. We see something in Timothy. Maybe Timothy didn't even see it in himself at this point, but the community of faith saw something in him and named that, and as a result, Paul extended the invitation to Timothy to join him. And I love what a community of faith can do, how it can direct us, but also how it can redirect us and keep us from doing things we shouldn't do. So some of the things I'm, I'm sharing this morning are coming from this book. I love it. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Sounds like a message I heard recently, too. Uh, maybe last Sunday. Uh, but uh, it's all about discerning God's calling in your life. And I love this story uh, the author shares about a man named Parker Palmer. Uh, let me read kind of this extended story. I think you'll appreciate what it shows us. It says, Parker Palmer's wonderful book, Let Your Life Speak, has much to say about discovering one's vocation or calling. He writes about the time when, because of his growing prominence in educational circles, he was offered the presidency of an educational institution. It would have meant an increase in pay, status, and influence. From a career standpoint, it was a no-brainer. But the Quakers have a tradition where when faced with an important decision about calling, they gather a half dozen friends to serve as a clearness committee. This committee gathers primarily to ask questions to discern God's calling more clearly. For a while, the questions were easy. What would your vision be for the school? What mission would this serve in society? And so on. And then someone asked what appeared to be a very simple question. Parker, what would you like about being president? Oddly enough, Parker had to think about this one for a while. Well, I wouldn't like all the politics involved. I wouldn't like having to give up my study and teaching. I wouldn't like to have to raise funds. Yes, the questioner reminded him. But the question was, what would you like? I'm coming to that, he said irritably. Then proceeded to list several more irksome things. I wouldn't like to have to give up my summer vacations. I wouldn't like... The question was called for a third time, and Palmer writes, I felt compelled to give the only honest answer I possessed, an answer that came from the very bottom of my barrel, an answer that appalled even me as I spoke it. Well, said I, in the smallest voice I possess, I guess what I'd like most is getting my picture in the paper with the word president under it. I was sitting with seasoned Quakers who knew that though my answer was laughable, my soul was clearly at stake. They did not laugh at all, but went into a long and serious silence, a silence in which I could only sweat and inwardly groan. Finally, my questioner broke the silence with a question that cracked all of us up and cracked me open. Parker, he said, can you think of an easier way to get your picture in the paper? And the point is this, uh, our community of faith sees things and affirms things that we don't see. It also helps us discern uh, where not to go, depending on who we are and where uh, we're naturally heading. So our community of faith, that's one circle. Now, there's another thing uh, this text illustrates, and that is Timothy's passion, his love, his commitment to the church community and planting churches. And this is actually demonstrated in something else we read. 
Um, and it gets a little complicated with the, the background. But at this point, all the Jewish Christians were still living as and practicing Christianity as Jews. They're following the Old Testament law. And so Paul, uh, sorry, Luke writes in the book of Acts that the breath, uh, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places since they all knew that his father was a Greek. All right, so here comes Paul. He's like, hey, Timothy, want to take you with me on these missionary journeys. It's going to be dangerous. We're probably going to get kicked out of towns. I was stoned once already, you know. Um, there aren't any perks. And by the way, you have to get circumcised. You want to come? And my conclusion is this. There must have been something in Timothy's heart because there was nothing in the benefits that would have drawn him to this. Right? But something about this invitation, Timothy thought, I'm in. I want to do this. He had a love for what he saw could happen. There was passion there for Timothy. So it's the intersection, what the community affirms, and what you love to do. Uh, here, here's how this connects to my own story. And some of you have heard this before, some of you haven't, and I, I can't tell my whole story this morning for the sake of time. Um, but I became a follower of Jesus at a very early age, uh, at the end of a Christian sing-along tape, actually. <laughs> they had this recorded voice um, offering basically the sinner's prayer, saying, if you want Jesus to live in your heart, pray along with this. And I realized I had never done this before. And so I prayed along with this voice, and um, I felt a real change. I felt warmth in my chest. And I had a very, very five-year-old understanding of Jesus and Christianity, um, but it was enough. Now, what happened next is kind of funny. Um, I was apparently a pretty stressed-out kid because even at five and six years old, I don't remember precisely when this was, but I was very stressed out about what to do with my life. I wanted to know, and I didn't know, and I was nervous. And so I knew enough to know I should pray about this. So I kept praying. God, please show me what to do with my life. I don't know what to do. And um, one night I have a dream um, that I believe was, I don't know if it was a vision or a spiritual dream or whatever you want to call it, but I, I feel like God spoke to me in this moment and through this dream. And I've never really had this sense of kind of this bizarre thing. Um, but I laid down, went to sleep, and was in this dark room. And then I saw this throne of light, and I knew it was God. And so I asked him, I said, God, what should I do? And he said, I want you to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot. No. Um, and it was both freeing and um, there's a responsibility there. What do you want to do? And the more I, I've grown and now that we have kids of our own, I resonate more and more with that answer. I don't want to tell Ada what to do with her life. I may tell her some things I don't want her to do with her life, but I want her to figure out what that is for her. And I think our Heavenly Father is the same way with us. What do you love to do? And so as I sought to answer that question, what do I want to do? Um, it led me eventually to a Christian college. And my very first semester there, just because I wanted to do, I took an intro to theology class and an Old Testament survey class. And those were by far and away my favorite courses. I loved studying the Bible and theology and understanding this God that I worshipped, but I was coming to realize I didn't maybe know as much as I, I just assumed I did. And so, like, got to choose a major? 
I love these classes. Why not do that? So I was a biblical studies major. And about the time of graduation, it's like, what can you do with a biblical studies degree? <laughs> Turns out not a lot. Um, but I had been interning in a youth group, and I loved seeing what, how youth ministry could be good. And simultaneously, I was frustrated by some things that I saw that I thought could be done differently. And so we leaned towards that. And that's actually what brought us to Creekside uh, almost 13 years ago now, um, is a love for youth ministry and a desire to do more of that. So what do you love? And by the way, this can also relate to frustration. If you go back in the Bible and look at like Nehemiah's example, um, he heard about the walls in Jerusalem being torn down and he heard about how that was an embarrassment and a shame on the Jewish people. And it drove him crazy. And it frustrated him so much that he got permission to travel to Jerusalem and led this effort to rebuild the walls. So love and passion and frustration can actually um, come together in a good way. All right. What else? Got two more circles to draw here. Let's see if I can make them actual circles from now on. It also relates to our abilities, our gifts, both natural and supernatural, what God has gifted us to do. Uh, if you want to flip around a lot, you can turn to First uh, Timothy. And what you're going to see there is that a couple different times, Paul encourages Timothy to use the gifts that God has given him. So Paul writes, Timothy says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect it. Use it, right? Don't neglect don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things, right? In other words, keep doing them. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. And there's a similar verse in 2 Timothy. Paul has to, feels the need to keep reminding him of this. Um, can you throw that one up from 2 Timothy, please? Jackie, thank you. Um, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. You have this gift, but this is important. Just because you have a gift from God doesn't mean that it's like at 100% and always will be, period. Right? He says you've got to rekindle this gift, Timothy. You have this gift, but you need to use it. You need to work on it. You need to keep the, the flame going. Right? So what abilities do you have and use those? Now, the reason I, I'm trying to illustrate this with these overlapping circles is because... You want to find the intersection of all of these things. If you love to do something, but you're not gifted in it, you may just find yourself one day on American Idol and an embarrassment with a video out there that you don't want anyone to see what everyone has seen, all right? Um, right? You have to be gifted in an area and love to do it. It's not enough to just have one or another. Here's how this relates to my story. When I first came to Creekside, I was brought on as a part-time youth pastor. That was my entire role. I did a bunch of other things anyway, uh, but that was my job for the first five years. And then I volunteered, in essence, with the worship team. And I love music, and I love getting to be a part of the worship team. And there was quite a bit of time where I loved music so much. Like on my days, I would write music and record songs and work on this. And for a while, because of this high level of passion, what I wanted to do was, in essence, to become the next Chris Tomlin. That was my goal. I wanted to become this 
awesome, famous worship leader, songwriter guy, tour of the world. That was my dream. Here's what happened. A number of things happened, but one of the things that happened is I ran into the limits of my gifts and abilities. I love music, but I came to understand over time that I'm okay or good at it, but I'm not great at it. I came to recognize the same thing with singing and songwriting. I'm okay at it, maybe good, I don't know, but I'm not great at it. And I never will be. I just don't have those gifts. And so to honor the gifts that God has given me, I realized that would not fit. I may be passionate about it, but I don't have that level of ability. And I need to work in another area and pursue a different dream. Reminds me of the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. If you're familiar with the story, Jesus tells this parable and he gives different amounts of money to different servants and tells them to invest it. And, and there's debate on this, but I think it's pretty clear that it doesn't stand for simply money. It stands for everything God has given you and how God expects you to invest those things. But what's interesting is that it says one servant is given one talent, which is a ridiculous amount of money in that day and age, but still, one guy got one talent, one guy got two, one guy got five, and it says each according to their ability. Everyone got something, but they got different amounts, depending on their own ability. And the guy who got one was not expected to come back with five. He was expected to invest that one. God calls you to invest the gifts and skills he's given you, not the ones he hasn't. Does that make sense? And so I realized I need to invest in the gifts God has given me. And as time went on, uh, I started working more on my teaching and preaching. And I found I actually have a higher level of ability there than I thought. And I started to enjoy it more. And uh, people started to affirm that it was impactful for them and, and helpful for them in growing as a Christian, um, which is why part of the reason I started teaching at Colorado Christian University years ago, because I wanted to do more and more of this teaching ministry. So what does the community affirm? What gifts and abilities, natural or supernatural, do you have? What do you love to do? And here's the last circle. If you can't read that, I don't blame you. It says lack. What does the world lack? What does the world lack to be the place God wants it to be? It's again, how did Timothy end up in Ephesus? It's actually very clear and not very complicated. You find in 1 Timothy 1, Paul writes this. Paul says, as I urged you, when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. What happened? Paul, Timothy, these guys are traveling around, planting churches. They pass through Ephesus, and Paul says, there's a need here. Someone needs to stay here and make sure that these false teachers do not grow their influence and that this gets a, gets a stop put to it, right? There's a need. And I don't know if this was a conversation like, hey guys, who wants to do this? Or if Paul directly asked Timothy. But whatever that was, I think it entailed all these things. Timothy, I think you'd be good here. I think you have the gifts and the skills to lead this church. 
Do you have a love for this church to stay and put this right? Because this is what is needed. This church needs a leader. Would you build in a third here? That's how Timothy ended up in Ephesus. Nowhere along the way do we get the sense that God's directly saying things to Timothy or Paul. It's just putting these things together with wisdom and always surrender to the Holy Spirit, right? God could have directed Timothy to do something else, but he let them consider these, and that's how Timothy ended up in Ephesus. Now, once again, um, what does the world lack to be the place God wants it to be? This is also uh, a limiting uh, circle. Here's what I mean. If all your friends say you're very, very lucky, and you are super gifted with numbers, you're like a math genius, and you're passionate about business, please do not go start a casino. (laughs) Why? Because the world is not in need of more casinos, in my opinion. (laughs) What does the world most need to be the place God wants it to be? That's where we want to pour our passions and gifts and abilities. So uh, two things. I'll return to my story in one moment, but we're going to have a response time in a couple minutes. And my encouragement for you is to look at this. In fact, um, Jackie, could you throw up those uh, questions for reflection and discussion? Um, I would love it if you would spend some time talking about one or a couple of these questions with the people close to you in your life. Because I want you to consider, first of all, which of these circles is not filled out? What I mean is, do you even know what others see in you or say about you or don't? Have you talked to them about it? And if not, that's a good place to start. Say, talk to your spouse or your connection group or trusted Christian friend who knows you well. Say, what, what do you see in me that I probably don't see in me? What are some things that I tend to do that you actually think I shouldn't do? <laughs> it's a tough question, but it's important. Or your abilities. Maybe you don't know what all of those are. Maybe it's time to risk and try something new and find out whether or not you have gifts to fit with that. Your love. You have open eyes to the needs of the world and ask God for passion to do something that intersects there. So these are just questions. You don't have to ask any of these directly, but I would love it if you would consider which of these do you have complete and what would it take to fill in that circle and understand it a little better? Because maybe you're not at a point of transition now, but you may be soon. The only constant is change, right? And I want to give you this tool because I want to give you some guidance on what questions to ask and consider when that time comes to make sure that you're spending your life well and you're doing the things God has gifted you to do and that will make this world a little bit more like God wants it to be. So a few years ago, um, there came a time when Alan said, I may be stepping away from ministry. Luke, you need to consider whether or not you would like to be considered as the next lead pastor or not. And so we prayed about it a lot and thought about it. um, And some different things happened uh, along the way. But I just kept coming back to this, honestly. I thought, I love teaching and preaching. (laughs) And I, I think I'm pretty good at it. And right now, our church needs a pastor. Maybe this is the intersection for us right now. And there was a couple times where we considered uh, other ministry roles so that I actually could be a lead pastor somewhere else. 
And that never worked out for a variety of reasons, but one of the things we kept coming back to is, um, this is our church family. We don't really want to leave it. Um, this is the only home our kids have known. And we would love to be here and work to see Creekside become the church that it could be. So I just kept coming back to this. Um, but here's how this connects with you, is that three out of four is not enough. Next week, we're going to have a church vote. And what I want you to understand is that this is not a popularity contest. This is not like a political vote. That's why there's not another candidate. We're not doing a runoff. This is not whether or not you like me even. This is a question for you individually and us as a church community to say, what do you see or not see? Are you seeing what I'm seeing or are you seeing something different? What do you see as a church community how is God's Spirit leading you? Because we need all four of these to intersect for our church. That's what that's about. What do you see and perceive as a church? All right. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up, and uh, we're just going to sing a short portion of this song. You and I are made to worship. You're called to not just sing songs, but to surrender your life as an act of worship God. All of us are. And so that includes as much as you can to try and drive towards that center. Let me pray for you, and then we'll sing, and then uh, we'll have our Q&A time. Jesus, I thank you for all the gifts you give us. You give us such good gifts, God. To your spirit, you've given spiritual gifts to people here. You've given us natural gifts and abilities. You've given us different passions, and every one of us are different and unique. God, I pray that all of us, though, would consider your calling on our lives. And number one, you would help us to be surrendered, to do whatever you're asking us to do next. God, that you would give us the wisdom to work towards as much as we can um, the intersection of these four circles, to know that for each of us, so that we can spend this life that you've gifted us with doing things that count that not only bring us to life and use our gifts and disabilities, but also work to make this world a little more the way you want it to be. Thank you for the great privilege it is to partner with you in that huge work. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.